Hey everyone, welcome back. And today I have the honor of hosting Nick Staggy, who is the founder and creator of We Are Mine, which is an organization that was created with the intention to bring awareness and share people's stories of mental health. So Nick, welcome. Thanks for ha- thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited for you to be here. I so I did my research on you and the organization a little bit, and I feel like like the intention of my podcast and what you and you guys are trying to do is very very similar as far as your mission. I think so. I think the more people just open up and talk about their own experiences with mental health, whether that's personally or through loved ones or family or you know friends. I think it helps us realize that uh, despite what we want to tell ourselves about mental health, you know, we always feel alone, we feel so isolated, but the truth is we're not. There's a lot of us out there that are feeling the same things and going through similar experiences. And I've found that when you open up and talk about it, somehow it doesn't make it go away, but it helps and it, it, it does seem to make a difference. So uh, knowing what your podcast is all about, I was thrilled to jump on and uh, just talk. Yeah. 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 And I love that. Be- and that was the main intention, as we said before, like, you know, before we started in the sense that like, I, I wanted to bring awareness with this podcast because I found myself having same conversations with people and clients and not that I got sick of talking about it because clearly I love doing this but yeah I I feel like a lot of people are scared to share their stories I feel like mental health is kind of it still has that negative stigma and so when we talk about it there's a sense of shame or guilt or just fear and I know I saw your story online about how you like wanted to claim a gambling addiction over your depression and anxiety. So I feel like a lot of people can relate to that of, you know, lying or making up stories to kind of cover up what's actually really going on. Yeah, it's, it is really scary um, to open up. And I think, I think there's two sides to this. One is the internal self-talk that, that you have oh my gosh, are people going to judge me? Are people going to uh, think that I'm not capable? Am I going to miss out on opportunities because of this? Am I going to be further isolated, right? There's so many what ifs that that you just kind of put on repeat and that record just goes round and round and round. But I think the other side of it is it's really hard for the person who is on the, the other end of the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like when, when someone shares with you, I'm struggling with enter whatever they're struggling with, there's this instant kind of like desire or op- maybe obligation is a better word. You, you feel obligated to like help. You feel obligated yeah. to a solution you feel obligated to and because most of us don't know what those solutions are we try to avoid that conversation because it's like well you're coming to me but I don't know how to help so like don't really come to me because now you're making it awkward for me and it, it sometimes I think it's not even about the person who's sharing their experience 
creating the awkwardness. I think it's the other way around. Yeah. I agree. And I think that, yeah, it's twofold, right? Like when people talk about it, a lot of people don't know how to respond. I've had so many conversations where, you know, it's like, I told my best friend that I've been suicidal and they just like stared at a, you know, blank record almost. It's like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And then the other side is I think people logically try to find that solution and, you know, anything, anyone that knows anything about mental health, mental health isn't logical, right? It's emotional. And so to solve it with like that math, does not work and it will never work. And so people get frustrated of like, you know, so I always preach of like not to genderize, but I always tell like men want to like fix their wives or fix their partner because for them, it's very logical where most of the time it's like, nope, you don't get to fix this. You get to sit and listen and you get to sit in comfort. And it's sometimes really uncomfortable for that other side. It's so true. I think that the, what I've learned as I've, as mind has kind of um, taken off is that the best response is to thank that person like mm -hmm. th thank you for trusting me with that thank you for sharing that with me that's brave that's courageous that yeah super vulnerable like tell me how it makes you feel but you you're right you don't need to solve anything in fact oftentimes when you try to solve it just comes across like you're a jackass, you know, it comes mm -hmm. across like you're pandering them. Like, well, have you tried Zoloft? Uh, well, yeah. Talk to a therapist. It's like, look, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for 30 years. <laughs> I've tried a lot of things. I'm not coming yeah. to solve them. Yeah. You just want to be heard. You just want to be heard. And as soon as you start doing that, people are like, oh, well, I'll share some more or I'll make myself available for someone to come share their story with me. And I think that's a great way to, to break this stigma is not to put the responsibility on the individual who is struggling with their mental health, but put some of that responsibility of breaking the stigma on the other side and just educating them that you don't have to solve it. You don't have to be sorry for them. You don't have to yeah. like, roll up in a ball and cry next to them. It's yeah. congratulating them for being vulnerable, recognizing their bravery, asking them how, how it makes them feel and just being there, just yeah. being there. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this isn't weird to talk about. Yeah. Well, and validating, right? Like I always tell people like depression and anxiety aren't this like cancer diagnosis that is rare, right? Like most people have experienced moments in their life where they've had a depressive episode or anxiety. And so I think it doesn't take much also to be like, oh my gosh, like I don't have anxiety, but tell me what it's like for you. Or yeah, I get anxious sometimes too. This is what it's like for me. I think that people forget that. And, and I think those that have that quote unquote diagnosis feel like it, they're just alone because they get brushed off because people don't know how to respond to them and nobody else shares their stories and nobody else is there to be like, you know what? Yeah. I had a panic attack yesterday and it was terrible. And I felt like I was going to jump out of my car. And I think even just people being there to validate, but also like ask questions. That's the other thing is I think people don't understand by asking of like, cool, Nick, I don't know what depression is. Will you please like, tell me what it's like for you? I've never experienced that, but I would love to sit here and listen. And people just like hear those words or hear people struggling and they're like, <clears throat> you need to go to the hospital or like, who do I call? Like, what can I do? And it's not about that at all. Yeah, it really isn't. It really isn't. It's just, I like what you said. It's just about validating. Such a yeah. great way to phrase it.
Yeah. Which is okay. So we are mind. When did you kind of start creating this? Um, it's been about two and a half years. Um, Levi, Lindsay, and I were working together. <clears throat> Both had had, you know, years of struggling with our own mental health and kind of hiding it from other people. You mentioned my my fake poker chips. Levi um, would would just like we joke, but he'd just make the Irish exit. He'd just quietly leave out the back door and and deal with it, and no one would know. And he and I started talking about it together. You know, one day I think it was like, "How are you doing?" We gave the the typical answer, and it was like, "No, really, how are you doing?" And as we started opening up with one another, it felt great and it it was there was no judgment and it was like oh i well i i don't struggle with that i struggle with this tell me what that's like and we had a really deep conversation and afterwards you know being two uh entrepreneurial minds we were like my gosh maybe there's something that we could do to help other people have these type of conversations yeah it, it, it literally spurred from two guys talking going that helped i wonder if we could get two other people talking yeah and at the time i was um a partner with forbes connect uh forbes ignite and i was talking to their ceo nicole uh cacao and and just sharing this idea with her and she was like nick you you definitely need to try to figure out a way to make it so people can see easily that another person is a safe place to go to, right? Cause she's like, that sometimes is, is the problem is you wanna share, but you don't know who's open to hearing it. And you, right now there is so much stigma around it. You, you might get the people that turn their back. You might get the people that judge, you might. So yeah. how do you do that, Nick? Like on a quick glance. And that, that stuck with me for a while. And then at, at some point it was like, Oh my gosh, I know anyone who puts the rainbow emoji next to their name is an ally. Mm -hmm. Could we could we just use an emoji that people could put next to their name on social media? And it doesn't mean that they're suicidal. It just means that they're yeah. advocate for mental health. And we Levi and I were looking and kind of back and forth, and we're like, the this little thought bubble is perfect. So Levi and I were talking about how do we do this? We had the thought bubble idea. We made a really crappy logo in Canva. And <laughs> then one day it was like, hey, I'm just gonna post on mine, on, on LinkedIn from mine's account. Like I'm gonna set one up. He and I were the mm -hmm. two followers and we posted and that first post just went gangbusters. Like it was wow. gangbusters. Yeah. So we were like, okay, I think we've hit something. We have to, we have to keep going. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know how it was going to come to life. We didn't have any thought other than can we help people talk about mental health without it being weird? That's yeah. It was super loosey goosey. I love that though. And you know, what's the best part is the fact that it was two men. I think that that's part like people miss in the sense that like it was a guy to guy conversation because how often are really guys going to sit down 
and hang out and talk about their feelings. Like that's incredible. Yeah. It's not often. <laughs> it's yeah. becoming more so, but, it, but stereotypically it's like, no, that, that, that shouldn't happen. That's not going to be a real conversation. Yeah. And what's interesting is it start. it sounds like it started right before you guys started right before COVID. No, it was, um, let's see. It was or about six months before. Did you tell me? Of 2020. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Which was, was perfect timing because then the shutdown happened and everybody really had to sit with themselves and their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were overwhelmed with the amount of people reaching out and, privately. And then all of the people who were brave enough and, and at a moment where they were comfortable to share publicly on social media. And it's kind of, again, you know, I'm a broken record here, but it's like, I think people on social media saw someone share their story and then they read the comments and every comment is positive. Every comment is validating, it's supporting, it's full of empathy and love. And you're like, oh, well, I can share too. Yeah. and it's and again it goes back more to the people commenting not even the person sharing because if they shared got shredded no one else wants to so I think it's I think there's a lot of credit that goes to people on the other end of the the conversation there helping break that stigma yeah which on your website I saw that you have like a place for people to go and share their stories and you like you even put a message in there that like it will be read with intention and compassion. So as you guys get stories submitted, what do you guys do with them? Other than share them, obviously. Yeah, if, if they've said that we can, we share them. And even some of those we haven't yet. You know, it feels um it feels a little out of place, I think, to to mm-hmm. take and share some people's stories and some stories that we get are they're they're long and they're heavy and they're, they're yeah um so really when we get those we there's three of us on the team that read them and then we respond and we just send an email and we tell people thank you and that's it they I just it. like live in the cloud i guess you know like we don't do much with them yeah I we love that though. Posted one out of a hundred. I mean, we literally get hundreds and hundreds of these things and we just, it's like, it's a safe place. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like a big people, I think it is vulnerable, right? Like anyone sharing their story and posting. I agree. I think that it's nothing but positive comments typically, but it takes a lot of vulnerability because yeah, especially on social media, all we ever show is the happy times and the good pictures and how in love we are and how happy we are. But nobody posts of like, Hey, you know, I, I self-harmed last night or I struggled with my eating disorder. So I think it's incredible that you create kind of this confidential, private, safe place for people to turn, but yet still feels I feel like it doesn't feel as pressuring as like sending your therapist an email, right? Like I don't get typical emails telling stories. I get people saying I need to come to therapy and share my story. It was, you know, at that point I can't do anything with it, but actually help them. And yours, I feel like it creates a space, but it takes that pressure off for them that, you know, it's confidential and it's safe, but at the same time, it's, you know, like telling a friend versus a professional. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're, 
it's it's healthy for people to have multiple outlets to share their experiences right and and yeah. if this serve as as one of those then i think we're doing a good job yeah absolutely do you like when you guys respond do you at all send those people like referrals or references especially locally or is it just really like a sharing space that you just validate and like show compassion we have we have big bold plans um, <laughs> okay but it's we're we're all busy with our yeah other jobs you know and and look, that's a conversation Levi and I have had over the last year and a half or whatever it's been two and a half years at this point whatever it's been which was wow there's this community and there's this opportunity and it's it's something that we could make money on yeah and it just that that idea just feels so icky to me um not well, that you can't do that and have it be a positive thing right but um levi and i made the decision pretty early on like our jobs will put money in our bank account mind fills it is there for you right like i it's love that therapy mm -hmm. for us. so but because of that we we don't do it uh as much as we'd like because okay i'm i'm i've started a couple of businesses in the last two years that i'm trying to juggle at the same time levi left entrepreneurship and got a uh his words not mine a big boy job um <laughs> So we want to do a lot. We want to connect people in different ways. We've, we've got ideas and, and concepts rolling around. We, we candidly just don't have enough time in the day to, to make those things happen. And in, in a very weird way, Rhonda, that actually creates stress and anxiety for Levi and I. And we're like, okay, totally. this is supposed to be an outlet not something that's negatively contributing to our mental health like what is that balance and it probably means that mind is not what it could be or should be for everyone but right now it's as much as it can be for me and levi yeah and i don't think you have to become that big organization right like i think that especially in my podcast like i try to give information and share you know where to find therapists or where to go and I don't know, like, I don't know that you guys have to add that. I think that it's great if you're able to. I think it's a great addition or a benefit. But I think also the idea for someone, like you said, to just fill that bubble and to create that space is huge. And I know so many of my clients, like, have told me and feel that they don't, like, have a place or they feel alone. They don't feel like they can just call up a friend and talk about this. So, I mean, I don't think you have to put that pressure on it. And I know, you know, probably for both of us professionals that, that like that shame spiral and that anxiety increases where you just don't feel like you're doing enough because you see the need, but I totally get it. But I also think where you're just creating that space for people, I can tell you like personally firsthand from the clients that I see, like what you guys are doing is incredible for people. So I don't think necessarily you have to have that pressure of adding anything else because the resources are there. And if people are serious about mental health or making changes or wanting to go to therapy or support groups, there's ways for them to find that information. And if you guys aren't that community, that's okay. I think that the community you're creating of just sharing and filling that bubble is incredible. And it's unlike any other space. 
Uh, well, thank you for that. That that certainly helps because we we want. It's not that we want the organization to be huge. Yeah. Uh, we want the impact to be big and and every any person we can connect with that that is a win for us you know it was what when we were talking about this at the very beginning we're like hey if nothing comes of this other than you and me levi are are friends and we have a safe place to go to it's worth it it's good you know and i yeah i, I do think that mind has done more than that and and part of it is we we don't we don't want to try to even own the community right like hell we even made our logo something that is available on every single person's phone we, yeah. we intentionally want it to be like we might have been the two first guys to rub sticks together and start the smoke but this is not mind is not ours per se right like it is it is for anyone and everyone and it'll I, I think it'll just evolve kind of naturally on its own at this point yeah I love that I love it so much how how have you and Levi like how have your life changed especially with your own mental health since starting this um it's a good question it's it's funny because I think we we were pretty open and sharing and and uh man i'm str i'm struggling on this um because the truth is as vulnerable as i've been online i have not really been all that vulnerable and mind has helped me realize that some of that is are things that i didn't remember I'd suppressed I'd pushed behind so for a long time I just you know used to say like I struggled with anxiety and depression for 30 years and it's been really hard and I didn't I didn't understand why that was the case because to your point it's not always logical like it just could be something I'm genetically disposed to it, could just be that I have struggled learning how to cope with those things. It could be an infinite variety of things. And I didn't really understand the answer to that when we started mine. Um, but as people started commenting about me being vulnerable and opening up, there was a level of shame and embarrassment because I thought like, I'm not actually opening up like I'm curating what you're seeing. And I I haven't openly shared this with anyone at this point. I mean, I've talked like close friends, family, my therapist, but I haven't yeah. I haven't publicly shared that when I was a little boy, I was abused. Wow. I was I was abused by an older boy in that has caused a lot of trauma and it's been it's been something i'm i'm learning how to confront and deal with and it's not easy and so there's like there's this added layer of shame in one i haven't been totally vulnerable 
even though I'm, you know, I'm kind of pushing, it's okay to be vulnerable. We don't have to hide from what's happened to us or what we're dealing with. And yet here I am hiding from those things. And then it also is somewhat embarrassing that somehow we started Mind and it, the community is growing. In the last year and a half, maybe the last year, I've struggled with my mental health more than ever. I've really had a hard time. And uh, there's, been, there's been a lot that, that's happened. And um, I'm grateful that, that that's surfaced and I'm learning how to, and I, you know, I'm confronting that trauma and that past. And I think I'm now actually on a faster path to learning how to cope and deal with and move beyond than prior to mine. But it's been, you know, to steal your wor word, Rhonda, it's been a real bitch. <laughs> Sorry, I had to like. Oh try to my gosh, I love that. <laughs> no, and I, you know what? And I thank you so much for sharing. And I mean, like, I'm speechless, especially that you have found this space in a way to be your safe space to open up, especially after I called you a name, you know, insulted you first right off the bat. No, no, no. I but think. <laughs> I'm glad, but I'm like, honestly, like I am, I'm almost speechless in the fact that like you felt strong enough that this is a safe place for you to share that because you're right. It, it That is a topic that unfortunately so many damn people actually experience. And it, it's not something we talk about coming, you know, from Utah and the culture, that's a whole other lecture, but like it's, it's shame and it's hidden and it's kept, you know, quote unquote off the shelf. And it's something that people don't talk about. It's especially males. It's something that there's that level of shame and guilt on a whole other level. And yeah, I mean, like, unfortunately, you're speaking my language when we talk about trauma. And that's the whole intention of my office. And what I do is helping people explain that, yes, present symptoms such as anxiety and depression can be present for a year or six months or 30 years in your case because of something awful that's happened to us. And and it's incredible in the sense that like you've experienced, right, of, of creating mind and having that, having all the details suppressed. I don't think people realize how easy something like that is to have happen. And yeah, waking up in 20, 30 years being like, what the hell is happening? Like, what is this? Where did this come from? How did I not remember this? And oh my gosh, this has affected my life and made my life miserable. And so I think your story even gets more incredible, but also like, I really appreciate you sharing that vulnerability because I know, like I saw you get emotional and I know it's not easy. And even probably sharing that emotion, there's a sense of shame that came up for you to be emotional and, and talk about it and admit that. That is huge and incredible. So thank you for sharing. Thanks. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot like that, but I, I, I think that like your story definitely impacts other people. Please, please don't be sorry. I, I, uh, I've been building up the courage to share this and I just felt like it was the right time. So I, I appreciate that. I think that's a, 
I think this is pr probably a good step forward for me. So um, yeah, thank you for for helping create that safe space. Yeah. And I think hopefully like having that awareness and I mean, it sounds like you started to put the pieces together and knew kind of how the effects of this all has impacted you, especially coming together as I'm sure mind has developed, but hopefully having that awareness and admitting it, in my opinion is the like hardest step, right? Is admitting that because now it's out in the open. It's not that skeleton in the closet that has to be hidden. It's now something that you don't have to have shame of and you can talk about and you can work through. And your whole point of having people around you, that community to support you and help you through this. There is a, there is a great community of, of people out there and I've shared I've shared this with close friends who I know I can trust and they've helped they've helped get me ready for the next step and my therapist yeah. helped me get ready for the next step and I think it's just important that you take the step when it's appropriate and it feels right and you don't get too hung up I mean it's easy to say you know you don't get hung up if you haven't taken that step you just celebrate when you do but it's it, when it's your when it's your own self. It's it's hard to feel that way, you know. Sometimes just letting it sit and soak in for a while can can feel really discouraging. But I think yeah. it's important that you know, I heed a little bit of my own advice, which is there's no there's no no one can tell you when the right time is to open up and share or who to share it with or how to share it it's just on your own own time and whenever that comes it's perfect yeah and I think too it's a process like you know 30 years ago for you to identify it as anxiety and depression and slowly even learn what that is right because I think it's anxiety depression we toss around the words but do we really understand it? And until you're able to identify it saying, I'm really struggling with this, it's a process for you. And so I agree that like, you're not going to wake up and just have all of the answers to why you're anxious or why you're depressed or why you were traumatized. It's, it's something you have to go through mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, spiritually, all of that, that slowly comes together when, when you're capable, when you're ready. And Honestly, I always tell clients so like, you know, they'll ask me, especially if it's something like this in your case of where we have found out that they've been abused, especially that they, their question always is like, why did you know about this? And like, were there warning signs? Like, how come we didn't talk about this two years ago when I started therapy? And a lot of it, people don't realize like your brain is an incredible thing that it's going to protect you. And so people that have no memories or suppress it or hide from it so long, you protected yourself. You're in this kind of like room of armor that until you're ready to start breaking it down and coming out of that room, no one can force it out of you. A therapist, as magical as they are, can't like give you this big sign the first day of treatment to be like, Nick, this is what happened. And this explains everything. What are you going to do with it now? Like, I think if your therapist probably had done that when you first started therapy, you would have ran. You would have been like, I'm not doing this. What, what are you talking about? It's so true. It's just inch by inch. Yeah.
And it's scary. I think that's the worst part is therapy is hard, but it's, it's, it can be done. People can change. And I say that all the time, people are capable of healing, whether it's trauma, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, eating disorders, like you name it, people can change, people can heal. And that's like, that's the part that irks me the most is that there's this stigma that like, you've been sexually abused or you have this label as depression. And it's like a death sentence that you're just never going to get better from. And it doesn't have to be that case. Yeah, it it's it's so true. I mean, I I think I think if you don't believe that, there it really kind of just chops up hope, right? And yeah, not to get spiritual or anything, but our time is so limited. Yeah. And and, you know, it's like, it's one of those weird things. Like I'm very thoughtful of how limited our time on earth is. I've got a daughter who is going to be a senior this year. And I just keep thinking this, is, this, this could be the last summer with mm-hmm. her. I'm, my youngest is seven. And, you know, so then you're like, okay, well, I might only have 10 summers left with this kid. Yeah. What are we doing together? And how are we spending that time? And then when you feel when you're that thoughtful of time, I'm, I'm borderline obsessed with time, um, to then f- feel anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, it can almost just feed on itself. Like, oh, I only have so many days. Why is today a bad day? Like it's a waste, you know? And if you don't believe you can heal, if you don't believe you can move on, if you don't believe that even experiencing those down days are, are okay and can be good in the long run, it starts to feel pretty hopeless, I think. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that hopelessness comes from the world. It comes from the lack, you know, the invalidation, the lack of support that people feel. I think that it's, we saw this so much during COVID and I, I joke because I know COVID was really, but like I joke that like COVID, the best thing for us therapists, COVID couldn't have happened any better because that shutdown forced people to sit with themselves. And as awful as we all hated being alone and being isolated from family and friends and, and stuck at our house, honestly, the best thing people could have had for themselves was the shutdown for six weeks. You literally had nothing else to do, but to sit with yourself. And it was scary. And people learned a lot about themselves And, but I think when you look in that mirror, yeah, you see all of those scars and the bruises and the aches and the pains that you have let just sit and, you know, in a sense, like be infected and ooze and goose for so, so, so long that when you have to have that admittance of, yeah, this sucks and this is here and it's time to heal, it takes so much humility and accountability. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. There is there is a lot of self-accountability that has to happen in order to heal. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to you, right? Like I think sometimes there's this like unspoken expectation that people go to therapy and they get excited of like, this therapist is going to change my life. I always tell clients that like, I, you know, to put it in like a physical term, because we always understand the Western physical world better. I'm like that personal trainer. I can show you how to do these bicep curls, but really like the 45 minute workout I'm going to have with you means nothing. It's about you going to the gym, you having that consistency outside of the office and really how honest and truthful you're going to be with yourself. 
if you're just going to come to therapy and think I have that magical cure, you're going to be in therapy for the next 30 years. And, and I would hope that no therapist would want that. Like we want you, you know, I always tell people like, I want you to thrive and I want you to be that butterfly that can fly away and build their own life and be happy and free of all of the shit that we've been through. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I love I, I your story is incredible. And I only hope that like by you sharing, it gives you that accountability and motivation to move forward because I think that you have an incredible story to share that many, many people are going to resonate with and relate to you with, unfortunately, but also it's that bittersweet of like you can touch so many other people's lives with your story. And I think that's just fascinating. Thank you. How okay, so if you're a listener out there, from your guys' standpoint, from Levi and you, how would you like people to get involved? Is this just encouragement to share their story? I saw your website. You have some cool merchandise. You have some cool clothes. Yeah. But I mean, how do you want people to get involved? So we any when mostly we do events, but it, whether it's events or apparel or whatever it is, anytime a buck comes into mind, we turn around and we give that away to help people get therapy who can't afford it. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't know that was part of that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We, you know, I think there's too many people out there that can't afford or don't have access to therapy and it's, it's important. And again, I think it goes to, we are not the experts. We are not going to help you learn how to better cope or deal with it. We're here just to lend an ear and support and empathy and love. Um, so in that light, I think when people ask how they can get involved, there's a couple of answers. I think the easiest one is just to remind yourself that it's okay to not be okay. Like start with yourself. Um, and when you're ready to move on beyond just yourself at whatever time that is, add the thought bubble emoji to your Instagram or your Twitter or your LinkedIn or whatever it is and show the world that you are an advocate for them. And that I think you'll be surprised what might come of that. Um, sharing your story with whoever you feel comfortable and, and safe with is something that we would highly encourage and ask for. And then recently, uh, we've had a lot of people ask like, hey, we want to be involved inside Mind, inside the organization. What, what can we do? And we didn't have a great answer. And maybe it's a cop-out answer, but, but the answer now is if you have something you think you could do to help su support other people and show empathy and love with their mental health journey, and you want to connect that to mind, come talk to us and tell us, and we'll wrap our arms around that idea with you and we'll do it together. So a great example is uh, Lindsay Ivy came to us and said, guys, you need to be doing events. You need to like take this digital community and bring them together. And Levi and I were like, that sounds awesome. Uh, we just don't have a lot of time and effort for it. And she's like, I'll do it if you'll support it, but I'll take lead. So she's put on so many events for us now. Um, Tyler Bender came to us and was like, let me help with social media. Let me help with building content. Let me help with mm -hmm. connecting with other people. And so, um, 
if, if you have an Chelsea Withers is a great one where she's like, uh, she's been a stay at home mom for a lot of years. She's got a really incredible story. And she's like, Nick, I don't even know what to do, but I'll come in and take notes during meetings. I, I just want to be like a part of this and I'll, and I will come to you with an idea of what to do. And we're like, great, come, come on in, you know? So yeah. that, that might be a really long winded answer, but there's a lot of things. Yeah. I love that. I want to be included. I don't have an idea for you, but I'm sure we can collaborate. So put me on that list. All right. Well, look, the podcast that you're doing is spectacular. Like send us the let, let's talk about making sure mind is promoting the heck out of this and getting it in front of as many people as we can cool yeah and I'm gonna just blow up my thought bubble like all over my yeah. social media my office my staff my clients in no time you guys will be the next like Facebookers <laughs> <laughs> awesome I can't wait to see it yeah I I appreciate your time. I know that our time is almost up, so I don't want to take any more, but I just want to tell you, I appreciate you, sincerely appreciate you. And I feel like we should clarify. So the inside joke between Nick and I with the bitch is I messed up an email when I tried to, like my response to him was, hey, Nick, and I voice texted, texted and it said, hey, bitch. And I was mortified. Nick very graciously like laughed about it and thought I was serious. So that will be forever our inside joke. So thank you again for allowing you to come on and do this after I called you a bitch. <laughs> I, I thought you were serious and I like I liked you more for it. So I know I love it. Which is funny because yeah. if you're one of my good friends, you probably are like, no, Rhonda talks to me like that all the time. I will say professionally, I have never sent an email like that, even to my staff. So I saw that and I was like, Oh my God. I don't even know Nick. I don't know anything about him. Did I just offend him? <laughs> so I love it. I love that we're bonded in that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. Any last words for people? Any last words of advice, encouragement, anything else you have to say? You're loved and you're not alone. I love that. And I'm going to end with like, you're worthy. That's a big thing. I started this podcast. You are worthy and people deserve love and support and you're capable. And there is a community of people out there ready to have your back. And we are mind is like the epitome of that. So thank you. Thank you for doing this, sharing your story and just putting up with me really. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of it. I love what you're doing. Yeah. And I can't wait to see where this develops. Me too. I'm excited. Nick, and in my final words, I just really want to send my deepest appreciation to you and say thank you for coming on here, allowing this to be a safe platform to share your incredible story and to spread the word about your incredible organization if you out there listening or wanting to be part of We Are Mind, I will post the link and the website in this episode's description. I really encourage you to stand up, speak out, be a part of this amazing community, tell your story, be an advocate, and together we will break the stigma around mental health.